Welcome to Real Talk Podcast. I am Valerie Malone, Life Coach, Motivational Speaker. Real Talk Podcast is aimed to empower you to grow, learn, and create a life you love on your own terms. In this podcast, we bring experts worldwide to talk about their experience around health, relationship, career, and money mindset. Each episode, experts share their success stories and provide strategies, tools, and techniques you can apply in your life to solve in a specific issue that you may be facing. Be sure to subscribe, like, and leave a comment so more wonderful people like you can listen to this podcast. My special guest today is Dr. Don Wood, PhD developing the TIPP method after spending years researching on how atmospheric condition affects our minds, and impacts our lives. He went back to school later in life to get his PhD in clinical counseling and psychology to learn on how to heal his daughter's Crohn's disease and his wife's autoimmune disease. Dr. Wood has written two books about his research, including The Science of How Our Mind Works and Why We Experience Our Own Unique Perspective of the World. Both books... You must be out of your mind and emotional concussions are focused on how we can all make the desire to change by allowing our mind to reset and reboot. Welcome. I'm so excited to have you in my Real Talk podcast because I read your bio and I introduced you and what an amazing introduction. Um, I'm going to jump right in and ask you, well, tell us what do you do on your own word a little bit? Well, I developed the Inspired Performance Institute a number of years ago as a result of doing research to help my daughter and my wife who had experienced childhood trauma. And what I had found is that most of the solutions were all managing, coping, and living with the effects of it. So whether they had anxiety or whatever they were dealing with, it was all coming down to management. And what I said is, I think we need to fix this, not manage it. So I started doing a lot of research. And what I discovered is that when we have unresolved trauma, unresolved trauma compromises the immune system and the neurotransmitters. So people, if the immune system is compromised, you're gonna get sicker. Mm. And if your neurotransmitters are compromised, you're gonna feel bad because you're not getting the serotonin, dopamine, GABA in order to keep that in regulation. And that trauma keeps on looping. So what I discovered is that when we resolve the trauma and we could get an update, our minds, I just, I say that all we need is a reboot. We just Mm -hmm. gotta reboot the computer and you're on top of your shoulders. When we do that, performance goes up. So the reason I call this a performance program and not trauma therapy is because I start from the premise that there's nothing wrong with anybody, that everybody's mind is perfectly fine. However, everybody is being affected differently by some events and experiences that they've had throughout their lifetime. That is having an effect on your ability to stay present and in the moment, and we can fix it. Wow. So is it safe to say that you, you uh, this is, I'm going to ask you what inspired you to do this, but it's like a little bit personal for you because your daughter and your wife, and, and that was kind of like you were going through that. Not only you did it because of, you know, teaching other people, but just to see them and going through that, it's kind of like a personal to you that to study a little bit more and find out what is exactly that I mean and how we have to manage it. So what, what inspired you besides like, you know, your family, what inspired you to choose this career? Well, again, really was because I met my wife and I realized she was living in a very different household that I grew up in, 
very traumatic father, very traumatic childhood. Now she's high functioning. So if you had met her, you wouldn't necessarily know it. And one of the things that I find fascinating is so many people that I meet who have gone through those kinds of childhood will not want to talk about it. They, it's, there's a shame and, and guilt that comes along with it that they just would rather not talk about it. My wife was, that was true to her too. She swore me to secrecy. I don't want anybody to know about my childhood. And so that never made sense to me, but I thought my wife was the anomaly. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that my life was the anomaly. I was the one living in a unique situation that I didn't have any trauma. I had these amazing parents that kept my system, my nervous system regulated. And so because of that, I've been healthy all my life. And so when I saw my wife dealing with hers, you know, I realized, okay, I tried everything I could do to try to help her but nothing seemed to really work. And, mm -hmm. and as an example, even though we were doing very well financially, we had three beautiful children, everything's going along, she wasn't really enjoying it. You know, she was always waiting for something to go wrong. It would always be, but what if this happens? And then what if that happens? And what I didn't realize that as a child, she had learned that because if things were going okay with dad for a little while, they could stop in an instant and change. Mm -hmm. So she was waiting for that same thing in our lives to happen. Something's going to go wrong. This doesn't last. Mm -hmm. And um, and then when my daughter was diagnosed with Crohn's at 14, she also developed another autoimmune uh, disorder called idiopathic pulmonary hemosiderosis, which is a lung disorder. Right. And what I did is I connected up through my research that I believed that that trauma was affecting their health. My wife had Hashimoto's, another autoimmune. My daughter has two autoimmune disorders. Mm -hmm. And what I believe is that was connected to that. And then I started meeting a lot of people and it really developed our passion that we really believe that we can help a lot of people who are struggling because they're not getting answers. The only answers they're getting is, you have anxiety? Okay, well, we'll medicate you or we'll teach you how to live with anxiety and manage your anxiety. And I just don't believe that that's a really good solution. Oh my God. It's so amazing that you, you shared this with us because I've, I experienced trauma as a childhood, you know, like I, I left my country and I, I came over here with no friend, family, no education, no money, no nothing, uh, completely like in a country that I didn't know nothing about. Right. And at first, obviously I, for the longest time, I didn't think I experienced trauma. I wasn't aware of it. I was not aware of it that I have it. But then, like you said, um, the symptoms uh, show up. And after when I got my life together and I have my daughters and I'm healthy and I'm, you know, making money and everything is okay. But it's still, I, I love the way that you said that because a lot of people probably feel that you still, there's something's wrong. There's something's coming up. Like you're yes. waiting for something, but you don't know what that is. And yep. for the longest time, I thought that was way of life, you know, like, you know, exactly. our parents are telling us, you know, okay, well, hope for the best, be prepared for the worst and all that stuff. Till I find out that, no, that is part of the trauma going, you know, to adulthood and that your head is like that set up that way, that always you're waiting for something to go wrong. Otherwise you're not safe or you're not okay, which is connected to depression, stress and all the other names that they give it. But I never spoke about my trauma. I never knew I even had a trauma. I thought that was life is so. With that being said, a lot of people going through these things in their life, but they don't think it's a trauma. So what is a trauma and how somebody can actually find out, you know, that the, the symptom is from the trauma? Great question. 
what happens is a lot of people know what a big T trauma is, you know, the big things like a sexual assault, uh, an accident, things like that. And those are obvious traumas. But I wrote my, my second book is called Emotional Concussions. And I wrote that because they're not all big T traumas. It could be living with a uh, alcoholic parent who is very abusive, right? So they may have raised you okay, but whenever they got drunk, maybe that's when you saw all the abuse come in. Or you could have had a coach or a teacher that told you you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, right? All those kinds of things accumulate, just like a physical head concussion. Mm. You know, if somebody has one concussion, they'll have certain symptoms. If they have four or five concussions, they're gonna get worse. And so I say, we can also get that emotionally we can get those kinds of emotional concussions that can accumulate. So if you live like my wife, my wife is a perfect example. She had both physical and emotional trauma. You know, right. a parent that was constantly telling her that, you know, you're not good enough, you're not smart enough. And then at the same time saying, oh, you're so beautiful. And then at the same time, putting her down constantly. So those emotional concussions. So when I met my wife, I mean, she's beautiful. I mean, she's a model, right? right? But she could tell you everything that was wrong with her and how she wasn't beautiful, my, uh-huh. you know, because of growing up in that world where she just didn't know what to believe. And like you said, you may not have recognized some of those emotional concussions until a little bit later, they start showing up in symptoms. Hmm. So for my wife, it ended up with Hashimoto's, a thyroid disorder. Wow. Um, and just that fear, constantly living in fear. And no matter what I said, I could never calm it down. I would say, like, I'm not sure why you're not experiencing the life that I'm experiencing. I'm enjoying life with you. We've got beautiful children. We've got a beautiful home. You know, we have our ups and downs like any any couple, any business will have. But, you know, on the overall, it's a pretty good life. And yet she didn't know why. She would just go, I don't know. I don't know what it is. But I now know what it was. It was that her mind was preparing her to not get too excited about things going well because there's going to be a disappointment at some point. It's going to come crashing down. The rug's going to get pulled out from under you. So she didn't know that that's what was happening, but now I truly see that that's happening. I had a lady come in, very successful, professional athlete husband. Her husband was a famous professional athlete. So she's got everything going for her, but dealing with a whole bunch of physical issues that she was dealing with as well as emotional and again Mm -hmm. her husband was doing the same thing like you know we're very successful we've got everything going for us what is it about this kind of a life that's not making you happy she didn't know either Mm -hmm. but once I explained what happened to my wife she was like oh this is making so much that's exactly me Mm -hmm. I never knew why it's because the trauma is looping and keeping her in an active flight or fight stage that's happening constantly so if your mind is feeling that you're not safe Mm. it's not going to do a lot of maintenance it's more focused on survival and so then that's why people start to get sicker and their immune systems are compromised and it's going to show up somewhere in your life and just like Mm -hmm. i think you you mentioned symptoms start showing up right 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 well, yeah, for me it did, but um, like you said, trauma, big trauma, you know, somebody and your close family, God forbid, dies. Yeah, good. You know, I, I had my child died in a, um, when he was born and then he died at the age of uh, three months. 
those type of trauma that is like fire or, or somebody is getting sick, getting diagnosed by cancer, things like that is really like big headline that, okay, this is, I've been to trauma. My mother died in a young age or my father molested me or something like that is like, okay, that is noticeable. But I love the way you said that is the little thing that we don't recognize that is trauma. And then I, actually I was one of the examples of that, but then you go to the doctor and immediately they diagnose you as you're depressed, you have panic attacks, you're stressed, you're overwhelmed, go exercise, do this, eat healthy, and you will feel better. But you're doing all that maintenance, like, you know, just society expectation of going to the gym, exercising, eating healthy, drinking a lot of water, meditating, but the problem is still there. Yes. All we're doing is medicating ourselves to numb that feelings and not feel it. So that would you, it's safe to say self-image is one of the things that you might have had a trauma in the young age and now you're feeling that way about yourself, right? Exactly. So all those little things that are built up and accumulated over that period of time start continue, your mind continues to use those as resources and references. What do we know about the way we respond to a certain situation? And that's why people see, and so when people come into me and say, I have depression, I have anxiety, mm -hmm. I have whatever, I say, you don't have that, that's a symptom. Right. That's not what you have, right? Mm. It's your mind is responding for a particular reason to a set of experiences that you've had. And all we have to do is get to the root of it. Right, right. right. And once we get to the root, we can then fix it. But if we just treat the symptoms, we're never fixing it. Right. And the way they treat the symptoms is generally medication, you know, or we're going to, you know, go out and exercise, meditate, do all those kinds of things. And they help. Right. But they're not fixing the problem. Yeah. So if you, if you went to your dentist and you had a toothache mm -hmm. and so your dentist sat down and says, oh, I'm going to take this needle. I'm going to numb it. Right. right. So you don't feel the pain. Right. And now I'm going to give you a brochure on how to live with toothaches. And you're going to manage the toothaches <laughs> for the rest of your life. Right. right. You would say, no, nah, I'm going to find a dentist. I want the tooth out or fixed. Right. right? right, right, right. But for mental health, we seem to accept that. Right. Oh, I have to live with anxiety. All my life, yes, right? No, right. you don't. It's a symptom. So that brings me to my next question. Like, okay, so do you actually use the word trauma? When, when, a, when a client comes into you and see you for the first time, what do you say to them? How does the process go? Do you use the word trauma? How, how the whole thing work? Because me, I didn't know I had a trauma. So how, how, is, how do you see your clients talking to you and what is your response to them for the first time when you see them? Well, the very first thing I say to them is I'll, I'll say to them, can you tell me first what you're dealing with? Like, what have you been experiencing? And that's when they'll come up with, I have anxiety, I have whatever. Oh. And then I'll say, so let me explain this. There's nothing wrong with you. Okay. And there's nothing wrong with your mind. Your mind works perfectly fine. However, your mind has been affected by some events and experiences in your life that's interfering with your ability to stay present and in the moment. And we're going to fix that. So that will allow you to stay present and in the moment. And when I say that, that sort of, it's like, yeah, but so I had one lady, she spends about 15 minutes telling me a whole bunch of things that have happened to her. Right. And so when I was finished, I said to her, I says, do you have anything else? And she looks at me sort of surprised and goes, well, that was a lot, don't you think? Right, right, right. And I said, well, yeah, that was a lot. I says, however, for the last 15 minutes, I've learned a lot about what happened to you but I haven't learned anything about you yet. Wow. Right. Because that became her identity. 
I'm this, I'm that, I'm whatever. And I'm saying, no, that's just what happened to you. That's not who you are. That's not what is controlling your life. You've got symptoms because of that. So all we have to do is get your mind. See, the glitch comes in. We all have these glitches. It's just like a computer. The glitch comes in is that your survival brain, your subconscious mind, operates in the present. So it's fully present all the time. It's only our conscious mind that about 5% of your brain is controlled by your conscious mind. That's your ability to use reason and logic. Now, that is not in charge of survival. Mm. So if there's a survival threat, your subconscious mind, your survival brain is taking over running the show. Right. Can you see now where a glitch is going to come in? If you've stored information about an event and experience five years ago, 10 years ago, And if your mind starts looking at the information about that event, when does your survival brain actually think that information is happening? Now. Right now. And it's going to create a response to it because it thinks there's a threat. But there's no threat. It's information about a threat. So a great way for me to explain it, like how do you know whether or not you have trauma, is I'll say, can you tell me about an event or an experience in your lifetime that when you think about it, you feel an emotion Mm. because what I say to him is if you feel an emotion, your mind is calling for an action. The purpose of fear is to escape a threat. The purpose of anger is to attack a threat. Mm. So if I think about something that happened to me 10 years ago and my heart starts pounding, right? What is my mind saying? Do something. About what? (laughs) There's nothing (laughs) to do anything about. It's just information. But my mind doesn't know that because it's seeing it in real time. Right. It's a glitch. And so that is news for a lot of people. They've never heard it explained that way. And right. it makes perfect sense. So what we're going to do is we're going to get your mind to update mm. so that it can still recall that data, but it's not going to call for the action. Right. It's that simple. We can fix it that fast. So it's almost like the people living in their past, like you can keep bringing those memories and functioning from the past, not so much from the present moment, what they see right now. And 5% is very little compared to survival brain that if you're giving information from the past, especially if something dramatic, it's you pretty much living from that emotion and your body's reacting to it until God forbid something happened physically that you're really aware of, like immune, autoimmune system or something like, oh, what happened here, right? Right. So the mind is actually continuing to loop through that traumatic memory. Okay. Every time it sees it, remember your subconscious mind, right? Survival based is mm-hmm. in the moment. So if it's seeing the information from 10 years ago, it's responding now. Sure. So everything for your subconscious is now. That's a glitch. Mm. And the reason that happens is because your subconscious mind is constantly doing Google searches. That's why I explain it. What do we know about this new information that's coming in? So if you're sitting there talking to somebody, right, and there's a noise that happened at a point, maybe um, a loud noise comes up. There's where post-traumatic stress comes in. Hmm. Somebody, a veteran, hears something fall in the background or a door slam. Why do they get that response? Because their subconscious mind did a Google search. What does that sound like? That sounds like the bomb, Right, So it starts looking for information about bombs and starts pulling in a whole bunch of data oh right, my. about bombs. And then as soon as it starts looking at the data, it starts responding to it. 
And because it's been stored in high definition, high resolution, very bright, very intense. Mm. What I do is I take you through a, a process that we can basically get your mind to reset that. Mm. And the, the, here's the best way to explain it. If I asked you what you ate for dinner last night, can you tell mm. me what you ate for dinner? Yes. What'd you I have? I had salad and a salmon. Right. So when you look back and watch this video, you'll see that you looked up, right? Yes. And when you looked up, you saw pictures, right, of what you ate. Yes. Yes. Right. That's how you stored the information about dinner last night. Right. Now, because it wasn't threatening or disturbing, it was stored as a fairly low resolution file, not a ton of information taken in because your mind wasn't feeling a threat. Right, right. Now, if you have an event that's threatening, right, and you're in the middle of that, now you're recording tremendous amounts of detail, every single sound, smell, it's taking in a lot of data. So what it's doing is it's recording that event in high definition, very bright and intense. What I'm able to do is take you through a process of two or three of those kinds of events mm. and get your mind to reprocess that into the same format as to what you ate for dinner last night. Wow. And then it stops calling for the act because it doesn't see the intensity to it. It doesn't activate the nervous system. And it's that simple, not fast. Maybe simple, but for somebody to process that on their own is a lot of work. And we don't really always aware of ourselves to say, okay, well, this is connected to that. Because, you know, it has to kind of like a pause and say, wait a minute, this is what it is. Now you have a method that um, TIPP, right? Yep. Tell yep. us a little bit about that. What is that? The process I developed is basically a four-hour program that I take you through. Mm -hmm. The first hour and a half approximately is spent on education and science about what I learned. Because when you understand that there's nothing wrong with you, right, and I can explain the science behind what is anxiety, what is depression, what is panic attacks, mm -hmm. and why it's actually happening, the thing that I get all the time is people are like, wow, that makes so much sense, mm. right? So once you understand the science behind it, it's much easier than to see how we're going to get to the solution. Mm. And so I said, you just need a reboot. All that high definition data that's been stored just needs to get reprocessed. Mm. So then the next um, about hour, hour and a half is going to be spent on getting now the processing started. We're going to look at maybe three events. And I'm only looking for a highlight reel. Mm. So I'm not looking for us to sit and describe in great detail what happened to you. What I'll say is just like a movie trailer, mm -hmm. give me a two to three minute little trailer, right, of what happened to you. Right. Now, we can do it where you can talk about it, and I'll run you through a certain technique. One will do it just visually, so I have no idea what the event is. Or mm. the third way is I'll have you tell me in a new language. And the new language is called flowing. Mm. And there's only one word in the flowing language and it's flowing. Mm. So instead of saying, I walked into the room, you would say flowing, flowing, flow, every word's flowing. The advantage to that, if I work with somebody who's had to say a sexual assault or a rape, right. the last thing they want to do is sit there, start describing that in detail. So I'll say, tell me what happened in flowing. As you're saying, I have no idea what you're telling me. And it's not important for me to know. Uh. Once you're staying flowing for about two or three minutes, looking at the memory, I then run you through the process and the mind resets it. And so we'll do th about three of those events. Once we finish those, then I'm gonna get you into a, the next one is we're gonna start working on performance. The mind will start reprocessing all that old data and now we want it focused on performance. 
and then I show you the tools and the techniques to get your mind to perform at its optimal level. Mm. So I work with executive CEOs. I work with world-class athletes. I've had athletes, Marco Cicetto, um, after going through our program, broke the world record in mm. marathons as an amputee. Rob Killian won the Spartan World Championships. Uh, Tim Burke won the Long Drive Championships as a golfer. The idea was is being able to keep them present allows them to perform at a higher level. Wow. And that so the tip process is four hours and then you listen to a series of audios for the next 30 days. Right. And in those 30 days, the audios are about 10 to 12 minutes a day. Mm. They just reinforce the four hour session and strengthen it. Right, right. So it's almost like you're reprogramming their brain, like the things that was not necessary to be stored. And it's, you know, you're out of it. They don't know they're out of it, but you're saying it's there, but it's not necessary to keep bringing it up and wasting your energy and time thinking about it because there's no benefit to it. So you're almost like a, speaking the mind language to be in present moment and, and focus on the things that is important to you right now. What happened to you in childhood is gone, it's done. It's just information. There's nothing happening. And so they can talk about it. So I worked, uh, the most dramatic one was a U.S. Army sniper who had to okay. shoot and kill a 12-year-old boy. Oh, so when God. he first sat down talking to me, he was just sobbing. He says, I can't do this anymore. I've been, you know, living with this for eight years. He said, um, all they want to do is ask me to talk about it every time I come in. He says, I can't talk about this anymore. And I said, well, here's the good news. I'm not going to need you to talk about it at all. <laughs> I said, we're just going to get it fixed. Right. By the time I was finished, he could talk about it. He told me the entire event without shaking and crying and said, how the bleep, I won't say that word, yeah, how right. the bleep did you do that? And I said, I didn't do anything. I said, for eight years, your mind has been trying to get you not to pull the trigger. It's been calling for an action. Is that action possible? No, but your mind doesn't know that. Right. So it's been trying to help you and protect you by getting you not to pull the trigger eight years ago. Because right. it thinks eight years ago is now when it looks at the information in the memory. It's a glitch right. and we can fix it. Does that make brain, sense? Absolutely, absolutely. That's such a sad story too, because 12 years old and walking around with that guilt, you know, alone, it's just such a, bag of guilt you're carrying with you which is heavy on you and it's like you don't have nobody to talk to you feel like people don't understand you and all that and i can so relate when it comes to talking about it there's certain stuff i'm like i don't want to talk about it anymore you know right. i i was living with a husband that was very abusive emotionally and physically so every time i talk about it for days and days i have dream about it sure you yeah. know i have dream about it and i'm like i don't want to talk about it anymore like i just wanted to put that the past behind and move forward. So I totally understand what you're saying because then I did a lot of study like yourself and I learned that the brain cannot differentiate between past, present and the future. You know, it's right here. What you're doing, what you're thinking, the emotion comes in, bring things where we're here. This is what we're going to do. And that's it. And this is why I was so excited to have you and my uh, podcast because in today's society, now everybody, I mean, we went through a lot because of the pandemic and all. Sure. But there's a lot of people that are going through stress and going through anxiety. So they have no clue. They, they, and they're just kind of like making it their identity, like you mentioned. You know, like, oh, I'm stressed. Oh, I'm depressed. But they're not feeling good about themselves. So if they had to ask you a question, Dr. Wood, how do we have to recognize that this is something from the past? And what, 
what is they can do on their own to just get that i you know identity kind of like okay i'm not that i'm this and then after that they can they can go for help well number one obviously you have to get that resolved because if you don't get it resolved everything else is managing it so you can if you want some temporary relief do the things that we were talking about a little earlier is the meditation right. the yoga the exercise those kinds of things are helping uh, and they're obviously better than just medication. But, you right. know, if you're really struggling, medication may temporarily help you through something. I just don't believe it should be a lifestyle. So many people, they come to see me and they've been on anxiety medication for 10 years. And I'll say, like, why would we want to do that? Right. You know, or they'll say to me, you know, I have really bad anxiety. And I'll say, well, you're on medication? Yes. So you're on medication and you have really bad anxiety? Yes. How's the medication helping? Right. It's not. That all oh, would be worse if I wasn't on the medication. That's where they get into that conditioning that I need this in order to help me. Right. The mind and body are designed to heal. All we have to do is get to the root of what's interfering with it healing. And as long as it's feeling stressed, it's going to want to do little maintenance. It's more focused on survival than it is on maintenance. Make sense. So yeah. the idea is, is you can do some things to help do a little bit of that maintenance, like we said, you know, the mm -hmm. yoga, meditation, things like that. But the key is to get that trauma updated and resolved. That's life changing. So wow. my daughter, I told you who had Crohn's, hasn't had a Crohn's flare ever since. Wow. Now that doesn't mean everybody who has Crohn's is it's coming from trauma. But for my daughter, I don't think there's any question it was, right? Right, right. There's right. no other reason why her Crohn's would stop. So right. the idea is just to find what is creating the issues. And like I said, we don't need to do every trauma. We only do two or three. The mind will actually start to reset all that old trauma. Mm. It's pretty amazing. Right. So to, to diagnose ourselves and like without making it our identity saying that I doctor or I, I have anxiety, I'm taking the pill, the pills are not working. Uh, if somebody's listening to you right now and saying that, well, my life is okay but sometimes i feel like what are some symptoms that they're feeling that you should kind of like a warning to them to say that hey like listen to your body listen to yourself before you jump in to go to the doctor or take medication like if somebody's starting to develop that kind of feelings because the reason i'm asking you I mean you spoke before like when i stopped smoking i was getting this feeling and it was very unusual feeling for me and i'm like but i was so aware of my body i was doing all the other stuff so i was like oh hmm, this is coming from cigarette or this is coming from menopause or this is the so some people are so busy in life they don't they pass this first uh, feelings of the uncomfortability but then they accept okay i'm i have anxiety i'm i'm like depressed so give us some some diagnosis how can we recognize that we are going in direction that we have to stop and watch ourselves and say hey you need help or you need to do something about that well, especially if you have, you know, I talk a lot about with people who have addictions, you know, whether they're alcohol, drug abuse, even cigarettes. Mm. The reason they're doing those things is because they're trying to feel better. Right. It has nothing to do with their character or willpower or morals or strengths, right? It's not about willpower. It's about wanting to feel better. Right. So if you have any of those kinds of behaviors, right, obviously there's a reason why you do, right? So those are things. If you think about things or you can't talk about your childhood or you can't talk about some events that happened to you as a child without mm -hmm. crying or breaking down, that tells you that there's an unresolved trauma. My wife never wanted to talk about it. 
she swore me to secrecy. Don't ever tell anybody about this. The reason she did that is because she knew if she tried to talk about it, it would create all these emotions. Wow. So she was trying to protect herself. Um, I worked with a, a lady who was a coach for women. She held retreats, did all these things. And when she sat down with me, she says, I feel like a fraud because I am an imposter because I'm, I'm, I've had childhood trauma, but I never share it with anybody. She says, so I'm coaching all these women and I feel like I'm a really good coach. She says, but then I feel like I'm not really being honest with them and telling them I had the same things that they're telling me about. She says, because if I try to talk about it, I'll just fall apart. And so anyway, after she went through our program, I met her about three months later at another conference. And she said to me, she goes, this was amazing. I got to share something. She goes, I was doing a retreat. And she says, and after going through your program, she says, I definitely felt better. She says, but during the treat, retreat, she says, I was standing there doing this one presentation and I realized I've just shared a whole bunch of my childhood trauma. Wow. I didn't even realize I was doing it, right? Mm. Because the mind was no longer feeling that fear. All that shame and guilt about it was gone. So she mm. was able to share. My wife now will talk to you, no problem about it. Right, she, right. Couldn't, she couldn't have done that before right. because the mind would try to protect her. Wow, wow. This is so amazing because subconsciously we don't even know it, right? Don't even know it. She had no idea she's even talking about it. But all of a sudden now, that fear of talking about it had just gone away. Mm. And so all of a sudden now she was able to talk about it without even... So if you've walked with a sprained ankle for 20 years mm. and then we do something to heal it, mm. now when you're walking, somebody goes, well, Valerie, you're not limping. Right. You go, oh, I'm not? Oh, I didn't realize I wasn't limping. Did I really limp before? Because <laughs> now it feels normal not to limp. Right. right? right but if right, you've right. limped for 20 years, that felt normal. Uh, so if you've been living with these things for a long time, you may not even recognize that it's having an effect on you. Right. So the way to do that is to check in. Do I have some things that are affecting my health? Like my daughter with Crohn's or my wife with Hashimoto's, especially autoimmune, specifically look for a lot of autoimmune issues, right. uh, colitis, IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, things like that. Um, and then also look for if I can't talk about things that have happened earlier in my life or I get really, I was sitting at a conference one time and there was a motivational speaker. And, he, you know, what they typically do in those, they get, get you up and then bring you down and get you up and get you right, down. Right, right. But, well, she was crying, like, constantly. And I said to her, I says, I notice you're, you know, crying a lot. She goes, yes, I'm just a very emotional person. And I said, ah. yeah, I could see that. And I says, how would you like to fix that? Right, right, She goes, right. well, I've been emotional all my life. And I says, you've had a lot of trauma. She goes, oh, you have no idea how much trauma I have. I said, well, I pretty much do. I said, because that's why you're crying all the time. Right. I says, how would you like to get that fixed? And we we took some time after the conference and they took her through the program and it was life-changing. Wow. All of a sudden now she could sit through this and enjoy the conference without it activating her nervous system. Wow. Amazing, right? Um, I'm just amazed by your work and, and, you know, you hear things like this and you say to yourself, I mean, I, I experienced all of this and I got help and I totally understand and relate to what you're saying that a lot of time what keep us from all of this is just our identity. Oh, this is who I am. You know, you know, that, that myth that we carry with us, that I'm an emotional person or I, 
I don't like my, I don't look good, you know, or I'm tall or I'm short or I'm fat. I'm just, as my gene, as my background. We ex may accept those negative thoughts and it goes with us. And the way you crack it down and say, hey, that's not your real identity. Yeah, like right. you said, I love when you said that that's something happened to you, but that's not you now. Because as we grow, we change as, you know, as we get older or as we see places and think our mind got to have new information. Right. right. And, we, and we put labels, not only do we put labels on, but people put labels on us. So I had a lady come in who had been in a drug addiction. She was on heroin. And oh, so she'd been in for seven years seeing a therapist for her heroin addiction. Right. So when she first sits down with me, she sits down and she says, I talked to my therapist about coming to see you. And he says, I have to tell you upfront and be honest that I have self-destructive behavior. And so I just smiled at her and I says, really, what would make you think you're self-destructive? Right. She was shocked. She goes, well, I'm sticking a needle in my arm with heroin. Don't you think that's self-destructive? Right, right. And I said something to her she'd never heard before. I said, no, I don't think that's self-destructive. I right. think you did that because you wanted to feel better. Right. And I'll bet you when you stuck the needle in your arm, you felt better. She mm. goes, yeah. And I said, that's not self-destructive. I says, now the substance you're using is destructive, right. but you're not destructive. If you wanted to self-destruct, you could have done that. I believe that the reason you're using heroin is because you found a resource to stop the pain temporarily. Mm. That's all it is. So if we can fix the pain, there's no need for the heroin. Mm. And that's how we get people out of addiction. You're so right. Absolutely right. Because in the end of the day, if you ask the person, if people that are addicted to a lot of um, these things, in the end, they're still afraid of dying. You know, they're still afraid of dying. They don't want to die, but they're like the fear. They know that that's damaging to their body. One day I'm going to die, but right now the pain is at them. Because if you don't want to die, then you know that's a temporary, you're getting rid of the pain just to, just to get rid of the pain. And then you're okay for a little bit. And then you go back to that. And that's your coping mechanism. Because so, when it comes to it, it's just. So when does the subconscious mind want the pain to stop? Now. Right. It doesn't see consequences. It has no idea what a future is. It right. has no idea what the past is. Everything it's experiencing is now. So why did people jump out of the building at 9-11? Mm. Because the pain was going to be so great that the mind came up with a way to stop that pain right now. Wow. Jump out of the building. Right. Now, to the logical part of the mind, that makes no sense. If I jump no. out of this building, I'm going to die. Right. But to the subconscious part of the mind, when did it stop the pain? Right, right now. Yeah. Right? So jumping out of the building stops the pain right now. And wow. that's all it's concerned with is right now. Wow. That's why people get stuck in addiction. Because the pain is so strong, whether they've had childhood trauma or something gone on in their life, they just can't deal with that pain. Right. But if they take a drug or they drink alcohol, they temporarily stop the pain. Mm. Then they start building that repetitive code that the mind now automatically says, if we feel that pain, what's the code we go to? The code is alcohol, drugs, whatever it is. Right. right? And it automatically defaults to that code. That's why they can't stop it. Mm. So the pain created the building of the code. And then the code continues to operate. Now that makes no sense to the logical part of the mind, but it makes perfect sense to the subconscious part of the mind. Wow. I solved the problem right now. I took care of you. And that changes identity. 
because then it's like, well, I'm a weak person, you know, and I know AA and NA have helped a lot of people. So I want to be respectful of what they've done. But I don't believe that people should be taught that they're broken and defeated. I don't believe that they should be told that they're going to be an addict for the rest of their life. I believe that they had an addiction problem, but it doesn't mean they're an addict forever. Right, right. We can right. fix it. We don't right. need to live with it. Dr. Well, this was amazing. Thank you so much for giving us this amazing information because especially right now, like I said, with the pandemic, with Corona, a lot of people are in high anxiety and depression and, and uh, they don't know and they they reflect on themselves. They know themselves much better now than they did before. So that's why I was so excited to bring you in my podcast because I want you to give them the perspective of this is a time to reflect on yourself, to know. Don't go by identity that you inherited from uh, negative people, your family or your friends, just look forward to now and the future, what you want it to be on your own term, right? Exactly. Yep. <laughs> Thank you so much for We're having me. We're designed you. to heal. We're yes. To yes. Heal. You're doing such an amazing job. And so if somebody wants to connect with you, where they can find you, do you have a website? And I'm, I'm going to connect to social media, but. Yeah. So if you go to get G E T tip, T I P P.com. So uh, gettip.com, and then if you do forward slash Malone, mm -hmm. I think we're doing a special. You're going to get a, a chapter from one of my books, and then if you want to purchase a program, there'll be a discount on the program as well for any of your listeners. Oh, so gettip.com slash Malone, and then you can get the uh, free download from the chapter of the book and any discounts. Wow, that's amazing. By the way, I, I, I'm 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 very interested to reading your book. So I just, I'm all into that. And I love the way that you uh, explain everything, but I will definitely bring you back when I read your book because I'm in the process of reading it. So, uh, okay. and we can talk about that. Absolutely. And thank you for taking the time and being here with us. Thank you well, so thank much. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to, to reach your listeners and for all the work that you're doing to help people as well. So I love working with healers. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. I really appreciate it.